baptism is a symbol of what Jesus did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Being lowered in the water represents our old life dying. Life dying. Just as Jesus was dead and buried, our past and future sins are gone forever. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. When we are raised out of the water, it represents our new life in Christ. Just as Jesus was resurrected, we are a new creation. creation. The old is gone. The new has come. come. Today, Today we celebrate as people people take their their next step. step. And tell the world that Jesus has brought them from death to life. 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 Today we celebrate the miracle of a changed life. Based upon their profession in Jesus Christ. In the name name of the Father, the the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are buried with Christ. Raised to walk. Raised to walk. In newness of life. Newness of life.
Good morning. It is good to be here together with y'all. We have a couple more baptisms to do this morning. And uh, as you can tell, I am not dressed for the occasion. Uh, so Pastor Scott will be doing a couple of baptisms here in just a little bit. A uh, couple of announcements. Um, there is no Wednesday morning Bible study this week. Uh, so we're going to take a break for a couple of weeks. And then you will see in the email when, uh, when we start back up again. Uh, the Friday men's Friday morning Bible study is still being led by Jack Van Vessem, and he is going through the, uh, what he calls it, in the footsteps of Paul. And we're going through the, the journey that Paul took, not just the missionary journeys that he went on, but throughout his entire life and what has transpired. Uh, and there's a lot of great information there. Uh, but ladies are welcome to join for this study. Um, it's, uh, it's a, a time that's most available to everyone. It's 6.30 in the morning on Friday. So everybody should be available um, to, to go to that. Uh, whether, whether you have the capacity at that time of the morning to attend, that's another, that's another story. Uh, but we do have uh, one more announcement, and for that I'm going to call up uh, Miss Stephanie Edgar. Mrs. Uh, I thought he was going to say something about my wife, who's beautiful and wonderful and lovely. Hey, can I have Gamaliel come join me on the stage? I should have asked for a hand mic for, the, for him, but I didn't. Sorry, that's my fault. Um, I want to talk first about VBS. So I've talked to a lot of you guys about volunteering for VBS. We are going to have so much fun. Michael's my hero. And we have several spots left for volunteer opportunities. And they really, if you want to be here and be able to leave a little early and that, you know, maybe 8 o'clock or 8.30 is a little late for you, there's a lot of opportunity where you can leave at 6 and or leave at 7. So let me know if you want to volunteer and I will find a way for you to be able to be here that works with your schedule and doesn't tire you out, okay? Also, on Friday, for all of our volunteers that are volunteering, we're going to have a big, just fun day, play day. So if by the end of the week, people are like, man, it's been, th- it's been four days. I'm real tired. I want to rest. All my volunteers that are tired get to stay home. So we're in even added incentive to come be a volunteer. We're going to give you as much rest as possible. So on Friday, we're going to have a pizza party and have fun and games with the kids. So we don't need all the volunteers to necessarily be here that day. So if you're like, I can do maybe four days for an hour or two each night, then please, please, please let me know. I'd love for you to come. If you haven't even worked with kids before and you're like, I don't know what this looks like. I don't want to be in charge of kids. I don't, I don't know how to, you know, necessarily manage a big group of kids. Let me know if you're interested in serving in this way. I will find a way for your gifts and talents to be used. And it might not even have to be required for you to teach or be in charge of a group of kids. There's lots of other opportunities, okay? So let me know. We are so excited. We've had so many people that are excited to join us, but we do have some more volunteer spots ready. Next week, directly following the service, for about 15 minutes, we're going to have a meeting. So if you have questions or you want to come pray for VBS with us or you're already volunteering, come join us in the DFC next week. We'll talk about VBS. The other thing I wanted to tell you guys about is the last week, our elementary students went to elementary camp, which is why Gamaliel came to join me on this stage. He's so cute. And he's going to tell you about camp. So they went overnight to Hidden Acres. You guys, our church supports them so much um, so that they can afford to go and that they have just the prayer and love and support. And I love that we do this. It's such a blessing to these kiddos. But Gamaliel, tell me, what did you learn at kids camp this last week? 
We learned about Elijah and how Jesus healed Lazarus. Ooh, those are some important Bible stories. Did you do anything fun this week? We went archery uh, and and canoeing and um, swimming all all of the days. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, we're glad that you got to go. Or did you have a good time? Were you happy to go? Awesome. Well, if you guys want to know anything more about Kids Camp, just let me know. And we have some pictures that are going to be going through the slideshow as well. So you guys can see um, what a great ministry this is. And we love, love, love the opportunity to take them to Hidden Acres. So we had a lot of fun doing that. Thank you guys for your time. Let us pray. Father, as we gather together, we praise you for this day and your purpose for it. Lift our eyes to seek you first today. Shift our perception to seek your peace above all else in every situation we ponder in our daily lives. Let the Holy Spirit translate your commands, give us renewed strength and godly courage to obey you without questioning. Only you know what lies ahead. You are our Father, just just in righteousness. You are always our unwavering protector and shield. Keep the words of King David fresh in our minds and renew our hearts to the tune of your truth. I lie down and sleep. I wake up again because the Lord sustains me. Let your peace rain down on us today as we seek you more than ever else, anything else. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus commands us to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's always a joyous occasion when uh, someone comes and makes a public profession of their faith through baptism. This is Nathan Guzman. He's uh, 12 years old. He'll be going to AC New Middle School next year. And uh, Nathan, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes. All right. Because of your faith in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So nervous, let me tell you. 
it was a, a, a joyous victory, to say the least. This is, this is Cumaine White. Cumaine, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because of your faith in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please stand and join us in singing Hosanna Praises Rising.
scripture reading for this morning comes out of the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Here in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19, we'll read some of the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. May God bless the reading of his word. Jesus Christ, and we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who 
taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. scriptures from Romans 6 verse 23 for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord would you pray with me dear Lord we ask your blessings on this morning's communion there's no better way to start a new week than to spend these moments together with you a time to rest our troubled minds and remember that while we were yet sinners you died for us you made it possible for us to carry on with our lives wrapped in unconditional love. 
We can be changed. We can be forgiven, made new through this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. And this bread and cup helps us us to remember to feed that spiritual part of us. We know we can never be worthy of that gift, Lord. We know it's not what we do, but for what you can do through us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Please join us in singing, Thank You, Lord.
Okay. And thank you, choir. That was, that was good. Our offertory scripture today comes from the book of Psalms, 116, verses 12 through 14. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people. Let's pray about that. Lord, we know we can never outgive you. Our offerings are but a portion of all you've given us. Help us then to be generous with others and let us give to you all that you require. We owe you more than we will ever be able to pay. Please accept these tithes and offerings, Lord, this morning in the spirit in which they were given. Take our limited resources and turn them into your unlimited miracles. We ask that you be with Pastor Scott this morning as he brings us your your message. And we ask all of this in the name of the greatest miracle of all, your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. Mark, chapter 12, and we'll be looking at verses 41 to 44. Mark, chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. It is page 718 in the Pew Bible. 718 in the Pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along there. Mark, chapter 12, beginning at verse 41. A rather familiar passage of Scripture. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put in more into, has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty, and she put in everything, all she had to live on. Let's pray. Father, as we open up your word today, I pray that you'll help us to interpret it accurately, apply it faithfully, and to live by it each and every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple weeks ago, I was contacted by a student who was working on her doctoral dissertation. And she was canvassing pastors all over the state of Texas. And her dissertation was on the pandemic 
and its impact on churches. And we talked about a variety of things. And one of the things we talked about was church finances. And she asked me, she said, Now, Pastor, what stewardship campaign did you use to help get you through the, uh, the pandemic? And I thought for a minute, you know what? We didn't have a stewardship campaign. And I told her that really our budget remained pretty consistent all the way through. So we never really emphasized that much at all. In fact, I got to thinking about it. You know, really, we really maintained pretty much everything we do. We, we had our uh, after-school Bible clubs all last year uh, at Motley Elementary and Range Elementary where a 100 students would come and stay after school and they would learn Bible stories. They learned to memorize Scripture. They had games and snacks and we were making an impact there. And also, a couple weeks from now, we'll have vacation Bible school and children from all over our neighborhood will come in and not one of them will have to pay a penny. It is all free to them. And I say, and that is because of the generosity of you as a congregation. That's what makes it possible. And she was, she asked me, she said, well, she said, what do you think it is? Why do you think your congregation is so generous? And I thought, well, that's a good question. What is it that makes a person generous? What is it within someone that would say, I want to give financially to help someone else or to further the gospel? Well, interestingly enough, it just so happens that today we're going to meet a lady, a widow, who is going to give in some of the most uncertain and adverse circumstances that you can have. Today's passage, Jesus, he's seated there in the temple area, and it's near where people drop their offering in. And he's watching the people as they go by, dropping in their offering. And we're going to talk about where does generosity come from? And the first thing I want you to notice is that generosity comes from a heart of love. First of all, Jesus honors giving that comes from a heart of love. Now, Jesus is watching as people are passing by and they're dropping or tossing their money into uh, these offering receptacles. Now, and it was obvious that some were giving larger amounts than others. It was clear they were. Now, I find that interesting because today... Uh, when we give, nobody has a clue, you know, how much people are giving. I don't even know how much people give. That's not part of what I do. It's not what I'm interested in. But we give by checks, for the most part, or online giving. And so it could be a big check. It could be a small check. It's in an envelope. Nobody knows. But in Jesus' day, it was quite different. In Jesus' day, all giving was by coin, and the receptacles, there were 13 of them there on the Temple Mount. And they were brass. And they were shaped like shofar horns. And what people would do is they would toss in their offering. And if you had a great big $20 gold piece, it made a lot more noise than a little teeny copper coin. And so some people just made a, a big show of it. And they would toss in all the, of their large coins Almost as if to say, top that one if you can, you know. And so people were watching and, and listening as to who were the big givers. Now, I was just thinking, 
Years ago when we were living in Fort Worth, there was a church that kind of made a show of giving as well. During the offering times, this was years ago, when the, the ushers were receiving the offering and passing the offering plate, when somebody dropped in a, a $5 bill, the, uh, the usher would say, praise the Lord. And if they dropped in a $10 bill, the usher would say, <laughs> the usher would say, amen. And if they dropped in a $20 bill, the usher would say, hallelujah. Now, I don't know, I don't know what they would say if they dropped in a $100 bill. But that would, and the minister was well known to say, I want to hear some hallelujahs this morning during the offering. And they made quite a show of it. Well, the temple, the temple offering was very similar to that. People were showing off at their giving. But it isn't the loud noise of the large coins that Jesus notices. It is the small coins of a widow. I don't think anyone else even heard them because of the clanging of all the large coins. Nobody heard them except for one person, and and that was Jesus. He heard it. He noticed it. And Jesus makes one of the most radical statements he ever made. In fact, it is a statement that if, if anyone else would have said this, we would have written it off as some kind of an extreme statement. But Jesus says in verse number 43, he says, I tell you the truth, or the King James would translate it, verily, verily, I say to you. So this is a powerful statement. This poor widow has put in more, has put more into the treasury than all the others. Now, how can that be? How can two small copper coins be worth more than these large $20 gold pieces that are going in? It's called sanctified accounting, I guess. There's, no, Jesus explains it in verse 44. He says, they gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. And literally the Greek reads that she put in even her whole life. I mean, she gave everything she had. So it's not, it's not the amount of her gift. It's the sacrifice of her gift. She gave more, not in portion, but in proportion. She, she gave, she's all in, you might say. She's all in in her giving. And what makes her offering so much greater than all the others it isn't, that, uh, it isn't the coins in her hand that matters. It's the love in her heart. I think that's what captures Jesus' attention. She really is an example of, of what we talked about last week when Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And really, she is, she's really placed in contrast to the religious leaders. Who are there. So I think Jesus' point is is this. Giving isn't about the money. It's about the heart. Let me explain. Does God need our money? No. Will God go broke if we don't give? No. In fact, quite the opposite. It is he who meets our needs. Not we who meet his needs. He meets our needs. The psalmist put it this way. The earth is the the Lord's and everything on it. So it, it all belongs to him. But you know what? 
He wants the one thing that he does not have. The one thing he does not have is our heart. That's what he's wanting. You know, he he wants our love, I guess you could say. Here's how I think about it. You know, one of the joy, you know, being a parent, you have those moments in life that are just precious to you. You know, they're moments you, you remember, you treasure. They're very touching moments with your children. One of those moments is when, a, when your child comes up to you and says, I want to buy you a present. It might be a Father's Day. could be a Mother's Day. could be Christmas. But when your six-year-old comes up and says, I want to buy you a present. That just touches your heart. So what do you do? You give them the money to buy you the present. It's coming. But you know what? That present is so precious and so dear. Why? Because they wanted to give it to you. Even though you bought it, really, it's still precious to them. You know, think about it. Isn't that what we do with God? God gives us the money. And you know what is dear to his heart? When we say, God, I want to give you a gift. That is what is so precious to him. And so this dear woman comes and she says, I want to give back to the Lord what he's given to me. Now, I want to make one more statement or one more point here before I move on uh, to our next point. One more thing here. The Lord is not criticizing rich people. Not at all. Uh, In fact, I hope not. Because if he is, we're all in trouble. Because by world standards, all of us here are pretty rich. I believe the Bible teaches. And let me say this. He does not expect anybody to give 100% of their income. I believe the Bible teaches what I refer to as the 10-10-80 principle. Remember that? That's where we give the first 10% of our income to the Lord. Then the next 10%, remember what we do? We put it into a savings account. Because you never can tell in life, there may be those moments when you have an extended illness or a layoff or your children go to college. You put that next 10%, you pay yourself and you put it into a savings account or into a retirement account. And then you live on the remaining 80%. I believe that's biblical. So I don't want anybody to think that The Lord is expecting any of us to give 100% of our income. That's not what the passage is teaching. It's talking about the heart. He wants all of your heart, not all of your money. Now, with that being said, let's look at the second thing that pops up here. Second of all, not only does generosity come from a heart of love, it comes from a heart of trust. And that Jesus honors giving that comes from a heart of faith. She is, by giving, she is expressing her trust, her complete trust, her total faith that the Lord is always going to provide for her needs. She doesn't know how, but she trusts the Lord, and that's why she's able to give to him. And I like to think of her faith as an overcoming faith, because we're going to look at her circumstances and what she's going through. And we're going to see that she overcomes quite a few things to be able to give like this. First of all, she overcomes all those financial barriers that are in her way. Now, the passage tells us that she's a poor widow. In fact, in verse number 42, Jesus calls her a poor widow. 
verse 43, he calls her a poor widow. And in verse 44, he says that she's living in poverty. And the, the Greek word for poor or poverty here is a word that denotes the most abject poverty that you could be in. Nobody could be more poor than this dear widow. And yet, she has two copper coins, and she gives them both to the Lord. Now, I'm thinking, all right, how do you give 10% from two pennies? You can't, right? How do you give 10% of two cents? You can't, you can't get any lower than that. I mean, you either give 0%, or you give 50%, or you give 100%. There's no other options here. And she chooses to give both. She could have just given, to, given the Lord one, and she could have kept one. You know, every time I think about this, I, I think about that story of the little boy. And he was, getting, he was getting dressed for Sunday school. And his mom comes in and she says, here's two quarters. One quarter is for your Sunday school offering. And this, the other quarter is for an ice cream cone when you come home. And so the little boy is off to Sunday school. He's walking down the sidewalk and he trips. Stumbles. He wasn't paying attention. He stumbles, and the quarters come rolling out of his hand, and one of them, one of the quarters, jumps the curb and goes down into the sewer drain. And the little boy says, Well, God, there goes your quarter. You know. <laughs> she could have just given the Lord one of those little copper coins, and she could have kept one for herself. But she doesn't. And she doesn't have money in the bank. She doesn't have money stuffed under the mattress. She doesn't have money hidden in a cookie jar somewhere. You know, she could have said, she could have said, you know, Lord, I just can't afford to give right now. Lord, when I, when I get a little, when, when I'm on my feet, and I'm doing a little better financially, then, Lord, I'll start giving. I mean, she's got some tremendous financial barriers to overcome, and yet it doesn't stop her. She still gives anyway. She gives because she has a heartfelt trust the Lord's going to provide. He's going to take care of me, and he does. There's another barrier that she overcomes, and that second barrier is religious, a religious barrier. During this time period, it was pretty common knowledge that the religious leaders were living pretty high on the hog, as we would say. And you've got to wonder, how do they live so well off on such a meager salary? Well, remember when Jesus cleansed the temple and he chased everybody off the temple mount? He says to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves, robbers, right? He's referring to them. I think they were using their position to feather their nests. In fact, not only were they using their position to feather their nests, they were lining their pockets through some rather unscrupulous means. Look up at verse number 38 here in Mark chapter 12. Look at verse 38. He, as he taught them, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in their flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. Notice what he says next. 
They devour widows' houses. That's an interesting word. They devour. I mean, it's, you know, have you ever been starving and watched somebody who's starving and they, they just start gobbling food down? I mean, that's the word that's used here. They're just gobbling up houses. And what kind, whose houses are they gobbling up? They're devouring widows' houses. Wow. Can you believe that? Is it possible that this poor widow is in her condition because one of these religious leaders, through some unscrupulous means, has managed to swindle her out of her house? What do you think? Is that possible? I think it is. And I think she could have, I think she could have said, you know what? I'm not giving any money to that temple. Why, all those religious leaders, they're all a bunch of crooks. They're taking advantage of people. She probably could list a whole list of, of other widows who have been ripped off by these unscrupulous people. And by the way, these religious leaders in the Old Testament, they were charged with protecting the widows and the orphans. And instead of protecting them, maybe they come around to the house and say, oh, we're going to take care of you. We're going to protect you. You just trust us. Give us the deed to your house and we'll make sure you're okay, kind of a thing. And they're taking advantage of them. And I think she could have very well have said, I'm not giving another penny to that unscrupulous group of people over there. But she doesn't. Here's what's amazing. She comes to the temple to meet with God. And through her giving, express, Lord I continually trust you. I may not trust those guys, but Lord, this gift is for you. And she does that. You know, occasionally, sometimes we hear about religious leaders absconding with money. And sometimes people say, you know what, I'm not going to give anymore. I don't think that's going to wash with God, to be honest with you. Now, I'm saying, what I'm saying is, you always investigate and make sure that you're giving to a good organization that you know is reputable and is um, uh, responsible. But I think we should always be giving, regardless. And she does. She overcomes that religious barrier that many people can't seem to hurdle. There's one more barrier that she overcomes. She overcomes all those rational barriers. For example... She could have said, and rashly thinking, you know what? If I give these two pennies to the temple treasury, it's not going to make a dent in the budget. You know, if I were to give this little amount of money, by the way, I need it more than the temple does. And if I give, be honest with you, she says, it'll, if I don't give, it'll never be missed. They'll never miss it if I don't give. And that might be true. But she would have missed an opportunity to worship the Lord through her giving. And she would have missed an opportunity to express to the Lord something like, Lord, I entrust my future to your hands. Lord, I entrust my life into your hands. Because that's what she's really saying. I trust my life to you. It was in 1859, in June 1859, the great Blondin, he was, he was French, and he had come to the United States. He was a tightrope walker. And he and his manager stretched a tightrope across the Niagara Falls, 1859. They stretched a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. 
and they invite people to come and watch him as he walks across this tightrope on Niagara Falls. And thousands of people show up and watch him. Well, that was great. But uh, his manager, Harry, says, you know, we've got to do something better next week if we're going to draw more people. So the next week, he goes out there and he somersaults across the tightrope. Wow, that's pretty great. And then he said, you come back next week, I'll do something even better. And the crowd just kept getting bigger and bigger. One week, he stood on his hands out there. One week, he rode a bicycle across the tightrope. I mean, each week, it just got bigger and better, and the crowds were just pouring in, and it was, it was getting close to the end of summer. And Harry says to the blonde, and he's great blonde, and he says, you know, we've got to come up with a big finale here to end it all. And he said, here's what we'll do. You will carry somebody across the tightrope on your back. I mean, now you're doubling, you know, the, uh, the risk here with two people. And according to the Buffalo newspaper, over 100,000 people show up to watch him carry someone across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And so when they get there, they begin going through the crowd and, 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 and ask him, do you think I could do it? Oh, yeah. You think I could do it? Oh, yeah. You, oh, absolutely. And then he said, okay, would you be willing to go? Get on my back? Oh, no, don't ask. Oh, no, oh, no, not me. And as they went through the crowd, not one person in that crowd was willing to get on his back and, and let him take him across the Niagara Falls. And finally, the great bondman says, you know, Harry, it's going to have to be you. So Harry gets on his back, and they start walking across. And they're about halfway across, and the wind's starting to blow, you know, and things are starting to sway a little bit. And as it's swaying a little bit, uh, Harry on the top, he starts leaning this way when Blondin goes this way, you know, and then, Blondin, and then Harry goes that way. And finally, to end it all, <laughs> Blondin says, Harry, he says, until we clear this falls, you've got to become a part of me, body, mind, and soul. He said, you must sway with me. You must trust me implicitly. And that's what he did. This widow trusted the Lord implicitly with her life. Can we trust the Lord? Yes, absolutely. We can, look at what the Lord has done for us. We can trust him. You know, and by the way, he will never drop you. All right. Now, the great Blondin, he could have dropped Harry. He could have, they could have both fallen off. But let me tell you something about Jesus. He will not drop you. Let him carry you. Let him carry you through your illness. Let him carry you through your, your uh, unemployment. Let him carry you through your adversities in life. You can trust him. He will carry you through. In fact, I think that's what it really means to be a Christian, isn't it? To trust the Lord. So it really comes down to two things. What makes a person generous? I think trusting him and loving him. So here's what I want us to take home. Generous givers are rich, but they're rich in love for the Lord and in trust in the Lord. Generous givers are rich, but we're rich in our love for the Lord and in our trust for the Lord. You know, you stop and think about it. Jesus left the riches of heaven and he came to live in the poverty of this world. You realize he was born in a stable wrapped in, in cloth that they found lying around in the stable. 
raised in a carpenter family just above the poverty level. Jesus said, he said, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to even lay his head. Nobody was as poor as Jesus. He identified with the poor. But why did he become poor? That we might become rich through salvation in him. We can trust him. If you've never put your trust in Jesus, do that. You can trust him with your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words from the, from the Gospel of Mark that uh, remind us, Father, that in every circumstance of life, no matter the adversity, we can trust you. So help us, Father, to love you, trust you in every circumstance. In Jesus' name, amen. Only trust him. And that's exactly what we do. someone i'll be up front our elders are here Uh, feel free to come up and talk and pray with us this morning and we're glad you're here let's have a closing prayer together father we are thankful again that you love us and you're always there to take care of us and provide for us now may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and may he lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace we pray in jesus name amen May the mind of Christ, my Savior,